Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The last of what God is going to do in and through them. The book of Exodus chapter 33 verses number 14 and 15. And I want to welcome all of our guests here today. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord with us. After service, as you've heard, our young people are serving. Uh, We're going to have a cake auction, and a cake auction around here is somewhat like a 4-H sale uh, when you're buying hogs and cows in a 4-H setting. Uh, It's not about how much that you you can't walk away thinking, man, that hog was worth $12,000. You're investing in young people. And uh, so just help us bless our young people. And uh, I'll tell you what, I've had had some slices of cake around here from the ladies around here that just was like a little slice of heaven. I'm not sure how you'd put a price tag on that. But I want to say just participate in our cake auction, if you will. If you want to go in with somebody, that's a good way to do that. And uh, then split the cake or the, whatever it may be. But let's support our young people in a potato bar they're serving afterwards. And all the proceeds are going to help them go to Youth Congress. The book of Exodus chapter 33 and verse number 14 and 15. And I'll just ask you to help me ask the Lord to bring all of this together in my heart here today. Amen. Exodus 33, 14 and 15. The Bible says, and this is Moses speaking to the Lord. And he said, the Lord speaking obviously to Moses first, and then Moses back to the Lord. He said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And Moses said to the Lord, he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Amen. If you're not going to go with us, then don't carry me out. I can't do this by myself. And so I want to preach from this thought today for a little while, unless you go with us, unless you go with us, amen. And you can be seated and uh, may the Lord touch you today. And in order to make sense of these two verses, um, I want us to, to look at the backdrop of this story and that begins in Exodus 32. Uh, Moses is on the mountain with God and He has gone ultimately to the mount with God to um, receive divine direction. It's here that he is given the Ten Commandments as we know them. And and, uh, while Moses is on the mountain with God, while Moses is having one of the most spiritual experiences that he to date has ever had, and while he is having one of the most spiritual experiences that humanity could ever have, the people uh, got restless it's kind of, um, I don't really know the right word, but it's, I, I shouldn't say funny because it's certainly not funny, but it's just odd and strange that, uh, that when Moses was gone, they clearly knew where he was and he was on the mountain and thunder and all kind of things are going on. There's a, there's a great signification that Moses is on the mountain and that he is in the presence of the Lord. 
And yet the mindset of the people in time were, was, uh, we, we what not? They, we don't even know what happened to Moses. Moses who? I mean, he's only been gone 40 days. You would think, um, you know, that may be a long time in some respects, but he's only been gone 40 days. You would think that someone wouldn't forget you in 40 days. And say, well, we don't even know what happened. They go to Aaron. We don't even know what happened to Moses. And so uh, they made a golden calf and they began to worship that. And the Lord saw what they were doing and he admonished Moses. Uh, Moses, you better get back down there. There's trouble in the camp. Moses was anger, angry by, by uh, certainly all indication, but I, I do believe it was anger that was tempered in love because Moses really did love these people. He truly loved these people. And I know we focus a lot of times on the fact that Moses broke the Ten Commandments, but that was somewhat symbolic. I'm not sure it was altogether just an ill-tempered, an ill-tempered man coming down the mountain. He broke the Ten Commandments, being somewhat symbolic that Israel had broken the covenant, and now they were going to have to face the discipline that was sure to follow when you disobey the Lord. And so before he dealt with the people. Of course, Moses went right straight to the source of where this was born. He confronted Aaron. And I think that what every leader should understand is that leadership brings with it not only responsibility, but leadership brings accountability. And so Moses goes to Aaron and he wants to know what's going on. And uh, Aaron uh, did sometimes what a lot of people do. They try to blame it on someone else or something else. And so Aaron merely just tried to say, well, the people. You know these temperamental people. And, uh, but it wasn't going to hold a cup of water with Moses because Aaron knew better. And in Genesis um, 32 and 26, um, Moses asked, I believe, it, uh, I believe, a timeless question. I believe Moses asked a question in Genesis or in Exodus here that is still as relevant today as it was then. And it's a question that we should all individually answer because Moses said, who is on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? Because we have to decide and figure out who's on the Lord's side or whose side am I going to be on? And uh, they were going to have to decide once and for all what and who they were going to serve. And so Moses destroyed the golden calf and I'm just summarizing all of this story. Perhaps this golden calf was not as many suppose, not made out of solid gold, but perhaps a wooden calf that was covered in gold, whatever the case may be. Moses destroyed the golden calf by burning it, and then he ground the, the ash and the gold to powder, and he made the people to drink it. He said, well, that's kind of radical, but Moses wanted them to understand this is wrong. This is not just a little bit wrong. You didn't just barely step out of bounds but this is truly wrong. And so we're going to destroy it. We're going to grind it to powder. You're going to drink it. It's going to be over and done. And uh, that, that's, going to be, that's going to be it. And so then Moses returned to God on Mount Sinai where for 40 more days and 40 more nights, he fasted and prayed for the people. And the Lord assured Moses that his angel would go with them. And Moses would lead the people just as before. However, God was going to punish them in his own time and in his own way. Because there is an unescapable law that we can never forget. And that is what we refer to as the law of the harvest. Whatsoever a man soweth, 
that shall he also reap. Whatever you sow, it's going to come home at some point in time. And so God would punish them in his own way and God would punish them in his own time. The first of God's judgments would be to send a plague among the people. And you can read this right there in the latter portion of that chapter. Now we're not told in scripture what that plague was or, uh, or how many may have been killed in that plague. God's second judgment was to refuse to go before Israel as they marched toward the promised land. And the Lord threatened to take his presence from them and, uh, and the reason was answered in, in, the, in the 33rd chapter of Exodus. He said, I refuse to go with you because you are a stiff-necked people. That's a phrase commonly used in scripture, a stiff-necked people. You are a stiff-necked people. You can't do anything with uh, someone that is stiff-necked. Now, you, you may not exactly, that may not be a term you use every day, but uh, if you've ever tried to hold a child that stiffened up on you, <laughs> good luck. It would be like, like holding the Eiffel Tower in your hands. I mean, you just can't do anything when a child just begins to stiffen up on you. And so when I read the term stiff-necked, um, my wife, I have a first cousin, my wife and I were very close to them and their, their oldest daughter, and that was, that was her MO. I mean, when something went wrong, she just went completely stiff and there was nobody on the planet that could do anything with her. And uh, during that little season of time, she did eventually grow out of it around 30. <laughs> but uh, but you just can't do anything with that. And so when I, I, when I read that passage of Scripture, invariably my mind always goes back to that because we didn't even have children of our own at the time. And we were out to eat one night, and my Lord, she started. And so they, they one of them held her, tried to hold her, and then another tried to hold her, and then they passed her off to me, which was unskilled as all, any pain at the room, in the table. And I was trying to hold her, and then finally my wife tried to hold her, and thank God there was a waitress there that didn't know how to do more than just serve pizza at Pizza Hut. And she walked by and took, uh, took her, and we were able to finish our meal. And uh, <laughs> we, were, we were wanting to make a little sign, free to a good home. <laughs> Don't act like you haven't been there. <laughs> Free to a good home. So stiff-necked, stiff-necked. He said, I'm not going to go with you because you're a stiff-necked people. And, and uh, if they had been people that were afflicted or certainly if they had been people that were suffering, the Lord would have come to them in grace and mercy. But that's not the case. They were stiff-necked. They were stubborn. And the Lord said, the only way we're going to deal with this and be able to get this out of you is we're going to have to discipline this out of you. And so when Moses gave Israel this message, they responded. Uh, by, the Bible talks about them taking off their ornaments. And what this was really a, was symbolic of repentance. And they were repenting and mourning. And, and uh, whether it was true repentance or not, who can tell? Only God can really measure then and now what true repentance is. And then the third judgment the third judgment was that God was going to move the tent, uh, the Moses's tent, which is referred to in Scripture as the tent of meeting. That it was going that God would move the tent of meeting outside of the camp. Now I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I do want to just spend a, a few minutes here because I think this was very important. God was trying to show them something that I will remove my presence from the camp. 
I could remove my presence from you. And, and again, I want you to understand that God's not trying to flex his spiritual muscles here. He is trying to discipline his people. He's not just trying to show off him, his wares, but he is trying to, to discipline them. And so it is here in this tent of meeting that God would meet personally with Moses. It was a special tent that Moses used when he wanted to speak to God. And God graciously met Moses there and spoke to him, as we might use the phrase face-to-face, that not a literal term, but the cloudy pillar of the presence of the Lord that led the, the nation of Israel on this journey. The Bible says that that cloud would hover over this tent of meeting. And the children of Israel knew that when Moses is in that tent, that cloud over that tent was kind of like a do not disturb hanging on the doorknob because Moses is in conference with God. Something very significant is going on here. Now, the Exodus story speaks of a, of a man who had, a man by the name of Moses here, who had an intimate relationship with God. In Exodus, Exodus 33 and 11, the Bible says that the Lord spoke to Moses as, he, as a man would speak to a friend. I think that's incredible. I am not kidding you. That God would speak to a man as though he were just a friend. Amen. That they had that kind of relationship. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, very, very, to be very frank with you, is that God did reveal things to Moses that he never revealed to anybody else. And so it is very apparent that they that this is not just a statement in Scripture that he spoke to him as a friend, but God most literally revealed to him things that he never revealed to any person before. One day, deep in prayer, Moses asked for the unthinkable. Moses said, I want to see you. I want to see you face to face. Now, I think it's incredible that the Lord was not offended at that request. In fact, he had been drawing Moses, I think, closer to him and closer to him and closer to him. And I believe the spirit, the power, and the presence of God led Moses to this very moment. Moses was discovering what prayer was all about. Moses had come a long way, a long way from being an impulsive young prince that was raised in Egypt. Amen. He had come a long way. He'd even been changed really in many respects from the old shepherd that was standing in the desert looking at the burning bush. God was doing a work, a long, tedious work on this man, Moses. He was now God's man. He was now God's intercessor. I love this story because, for many reasons, but I love this story because we see Moses having this personal interaction with the Lord. Amen. I'm always touched when I'm around people that you can really sense that they have a true walk with God, a true prayer life. And and uh, I'm not talking about people being pretentious or, or, or just trying to do something for the sake of show. Uh, but I remember uh, many years ago meeting a, a man that is respected, wide, widely respected across uh, our fellowship in many in, on many different levels, and I remember uh, meeting him, and and I, I was very honored. Not trying to make a demigod out of him by any stretch of the imagination, but they have accomplished a whole lot for the kingdom of God, and and so for me to finally to hear of him as a child, and then to finally meet him was a wonderful thing uh, for me. And uh, we met them, and and uh, somewhere in the course of that, we had prayer and. And as we were standing there together, he began his prayer by saying this. He said, good morning, Lord. 
was kind of knocked over. Good morning, Lord. Good morning. It was, it was so personal. And it left me with the impression that that's how every day's prayer started. Good morning, Lord. Good morning. There was nothing formal about it. It was nothing where he felt like he had to, you know, wax eloquent in the presence of God. It was just, good morning, Lord. Amen, good morning, Lord. And so when you see someone that has that kind of relationship with the Lord, it, I'll tell you, to be honest with you, it made me want to reach the place that I began my prayers with, good morning, Lord. Good morning, Lord. You know, when you talk to some people, uh, when you talk to them often enough, if you call someone you hadn't talked to in years, you need to introduce yourself. But when you talk to somebody you talk to all the time, you just start talking. Because you've already developed the fundamentals. You've already built a foundation and you just start talking. They're not, they're not on the other end wondering who in the world is this. And they recognize your voice. They know exactly. And so here is Moses rising to the occasion. And I believe that we must do the same. Here is Moses when all hope seemed that, that it was gone in this situation. He realized I can't give up but I've got to press on. And so Moses realized what uh, Paul would later write about, 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 and the Lord would say about, rather, about knocking and seeking and, and asking and, and to continue on. And so in the face of overwhelming odds, can I just tell you, we have no other choice but to hold on. What am I supposed to do? Hold on. How am I going to make it through this? Hold on. I wish we could spray paint this a bright color and make it a little bit more pleasant sometimes, but at the end of the day, sometimes what we must surely do is just say, I'm going to stand for Jesus and let the world go by. I'm going to plant my feet on a rock and I shall not be moved against that. I want us to look at the prayer of Moses in Exodus 33. I'm going to start reading with verse number 12. The Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and, uh, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may know thee, that I may know thee. <laughs> that I may know thee. Show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. Here is Moses, if you please, negotiating with God. He said unto him, if thy presence, here's our text, go not with me, carry us up not hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and the people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight. 
and I know thee by name. I know thee by name. Moses essentially said, Lord, how are the people going to know that we're yours if you don't go with us? How are they going to know that we're separated? How are they going to know that we're different if we don't have your anointing upon us? I would just implore you again this morning to understand the value of God's anointing in your life and in mine. I'm not just talking about while the lights of this sanctuary are on or while we are involved and engaged in a corporate service, but we need the anointing of God because Moses said, how, how are the people going to know that we found grace in your sight if your anointing is not with us? How are they going to know that I'm any different than anybody else if your anointing, if your presence is not with us? I find it somewhat amazing after all of these years of study, I still find it somewhat amazing that, that there were people in Scripture like Moses that seemed to be able to negotiate with God. Now, I, I don't want to get in trouble with the Lord and, and I don't want to speak in, in, in a disrespectful manner about, uh, about God's presence and I don't want to suggest that, that anybody can just do this, but when you do see this in Scripture, we see Moses doing this, we see Abraham did the same thing when Abraham revealed to him, I am going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham asked the Lord, he said, Lord, uh, if I could find 50 righteous people, would you spare Would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? I'm talking about you got to go back to, I'm, I, I can appreciate the fact that we're not reading that story and we're not standing chest deep in that story right now, but we got to understand something. God was going to annihilate Sodom and ultimately did. Amen, he ultimately did, but he was going to annihilate them all. And, and Abraham said, how about if I can find 50 righteous people? Would you spare it for 50? And the Lord says, well, you know, I'll spare it for 50. Well, what about 45? Would you, would, if I could find 45 righteous, I mean, it's a little bit of redundant reading when you get into all of this. And, and the Lord said, I'll spare it for 45. And, and so when you think, well, you've won, Abraham. You need to pack up now and go on home. He said, what about 40? And he negotiated the Lord. Pardon me for using that word, but he just negotiated the Lord all the way down to 10. If I, if I find 10 righteous, will you spare the city for 10 righteous? And so the Lord said, if you can find 10 righteous, then I will not judge them. Amen. The point is, is that I believe that more so, let me use a different word, maybe a more spiritual word than negotiating. I believe that Abraham was interceding. There's a word we can get our hand around. I believe that Moses was interceding for the people of the children of Israel. And I believe that Abraham was interceding for those residents of Sodom and Gomorrah. I am not suggesting that we can bargain and barter with God. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I, I do believe that we can persevere in prayer. I believe that we can knock and keep on knocking. I believe that we can seek and keep on seeking. I believe that we can pray and keep on praying. Moses prayed for three things that we can pray about as well. I want to share those things with you. In Exodus 33 and 13, the Bible says that Moses prayed, show me now thy way. This is the prayer that I believe all of us should pray. Show me now thy way. In the case of Moses, Moses needed further revelation about the, uh, about the intentions that God had for their future. And so he said, I, I need you, Lord, to touch me. Show me now thy way. Essentially, he was saying to the Lord, show me the next move. I need you to know, I need to know what I need to do next. Now, let me just ask you, have you ever been there? I believe you have. I believe many people have been there. We have obeyed the Lord up to a certain point. 
And we're standing, so if we could just use this illustration, at a door, and we're just saying, Lord, what next? What would you have me do now? And that's what Moses was praying. Show me now thy way. God's reply, I think, was not only simple, but I believe it was beautiful. The Lord said to Moses in Exodus thirty-three fourteen, he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Now, in the Hebrew, this phrase and this terminology is extremely vivid. I just enjoyed reading about this last night because when it says that my presence shall go with thee, what it really means in Hebrew is that is this, my face shall go with thee. Amen. He said, my face is going to go. I, there's going to be a representation of me with you. And, he's, and, and to give rest. Now, that doesn't, mo, that doesn't mean that Moses and all the children of Israel were going to seek from all activity and they're just going to be laying in a hammock somewhere but God is really saying I'm going to I'm going to give you protection and I'm going to bless you you're going to you're going to be marching forward you're going to be taking some kingdoms you're going to be marching into lands that you have to seize he said but I'm my face is going to be with you and I'm going to give you rest I'm going to give you protection and I'm going to bless what you do I'm, I wonder how much of our strength from time to time is wasted as we fail to trust God for the promises that he's already given us amen not promises that are coming not promises future not promises tomorrow but I wonder how much strength is depleted I wonder how much mental anguish is, is goes on in our heart. How many nights of sleep we have lost worrying about something that the Lord has already said. I'm going to take care of this. Amen. Every one of us should say, Lord, show me your way. Show me your way. Show me the next step. The second thing that Moses asked for was confirmation. We find that in the 16th verse, and they're going to put that on the screen, Exodus 33, 16. For that wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? It is, it, it, is it not in that thou goest with us? I mean, how are, how are people going to know? He said, won't it be true that the people will know that, that we're yours because you go with us, amen, so shall we be a separated, so shall we be separated, I and the people, from all the people that are on the face of the earth, amen, I'm going to tell you today that the message of separation is as relevant today in 2019 as it was in Exodus 33, 16, amen, he said, how are the people going to know, how is the world going to know, there, there should be two indicators, there should be a separation in our lifestyle, there should be a separation in how we live, how we walk, how we talk, amen, but if we only only have separation without the anointing of God. I'm going to tell you what separation without the anointing will do. Separation without the anointing will make you bitter. It'll make you mean-spirited. It'll set you on a pedestal and you'll be holier than thou and you'll judge the rest of the world. You'll look down your nose on anybody that is not just exactly like you. Amen. So we need that separation. Yes, we do. We need the holy we need holiness outside, external holiness, but external holiness 
holiness without our heart being right is gonna turn us into something else. Amen. It'll turn people into something else that you can't reckon with. And so the Lord, the Moses said, amen, Lord, is it, how shall we know? How are they gonna know if you don't go with us? And so I say, Lord, help us to hold on to external holiness. Help us to be a separated people in 2019. But I say in addition to that, along with that, amen, hold us in the center of your hand and let the anointing of your spirit live in our heart and in our mind and temper our ways before you, oh God. Praise God. Praise God. Moses is saying, Lord, if you're not going with us, I'm not interested in making the trip. This is so important. And I think this is pleasing to God. And we certainly want the Lord to be with us day by day. And we should always, I think, pray, Lord, go with me wherever I go today. I don't know what today will hold, but my Lord, I know this. I don't want to make the trip if you're not going to be a part of that. Amen. I don't want to take a step if I don't have the assurance that you're going to be here in our midst. And so the Lord assures him in verse number 17, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight. Wow. And I know thee by name. I know thee by name. Now Moses is getting bolder. He's kind of on a roll. Things are going well. Moses is feeling like I ought to strike while the iron is hot. And so he has one final thing in verse number 18. He wants to ask the Lord. And so... He said, I want you to show me your glory. Now, the Lord understood what Moses was asking for. And I believe in many respects, Moses is discovering what, what prayer is all about. It's not just getting things from God, but prayer is about getting God. Amen. I want to say it again. Moses reaches this place in his walk with God where he says, show me thy glory. We're not standing at the Red Sea now needing a miracle. We're not standing at the bitter water of Merah needing the bitter water turned sweet. Moses has been on a journey and he is discovering what prayer is all about. And I just want to say it again. Prayer is not getting things from God. Prayer is about getting God. Amen. I don't want to just have things from you. I want you. I want you. I, I love you. And there, I, I understand that there is a place for supplication in prayer and there is a place for petition in prayer. But our prayer should not just be about, Lord, I need this. I, I got to have that. Lord, I need you to move right now. Amen. Some of our prayers, we ought to just shove everything out of the way and just say, I just want to talk to you today. Amen. I just want to have, I just want you. Amen. I, I know God wants to provide for our needs and he wants to meet our needs, but we, there, we need to come to the place in our prayer that we say, Lord, I don't need anything from you or want anything from you. I understand we always have needs in our life, but today we're not here to talk about that. I just come to talk to you. Amen. You know, I wonder what would happen if you scheduled an appointment with your doctor and when you finally got through the waiting room and you finally got through the waiting in the little waiting room and when they finally walked in the door and he said, how can I help you today? And you just said, I just came to see how you're doing today. That'd blow their mind, wouldn't it? 
<laughs> if I didn't think they'd charge me, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> They'll charge you. <laughs> They'll charge you. Because I don't want a thing. I just want to see how you were doing. I just want to come in and tell you how much I appreciate you giving your life to the study of medicine. Amen. We ought to just blow the Lord's mind and say, I didn't come for anything today. I just want to see. I made an appointment. I set aside some time. I just come to see how you're doing today. Amen. And so, the, and so here's what Moses said. And I hasten. But Moses said, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. Now, the Lord knew what he was asking. And the Lord really knew that he could not grant that request because the Bible says no man can see the face of God and, and live. And uh, however, God did allow him to come as close as any man has ever come before. Exodus Exodus 33, 19. This is just incredible. He said, the Lord said to Moses, he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Wow. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and show mercy on whom I shall show mercy. This Then in verse 21, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. I think there's comfort there. There is a place by me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock, and, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. You just envision that ever how you want to do it. And he said, Then I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. What an amazing story. What an amazing story. You can't see me face to face and live, but I'm going to get you as close as I can. I'm just going to hide you. I'm going to cover your eyes. I'm going to pass. And he said, all of my glory shall pass by you. Wow. All of my glory shall pass by you. I will remove my hand and you shall see my back parts. Amen. I just will insert this here. This is how... Moses was able to write the first five books of the Old Testament because the Lord revealed to him the back parts, the back parts. You see, um, when we read things like this and we I go back to Abraham just a moment, Abraham negotiating and interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's very easy for us to think, wow, it would be so, wow, it'd be cool to be Moses. How cool would it be to be Abraham? But you see, as great as Moses was and as great as Abraham was, we have a completely different relationship with God than they did. Because in their world, God was very distant in many ways. In many ways, God was, God was very distant. But we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As great as Moses was and as great as Abraham, as great as they were, our relationship is closer than their relationship. Amen. The Old Testament, when you wanted to approach God, you had to bring an animal sacrifice and that sacrifice would be offered by someone else on your behalf. The high priest would offer that sacrifice and the high priest would go into the holies of holy because God was distant from man. But when Jesus came to the cross, he came 
became the final sacrifice. And when this happened, he said, it is finished. And the Bible says that the veil in the temple was rent or it was torn in two. And so what that meant was that no longer was common man separated from an uncommon God. That man would have access to God. Amen. We, we, we don't just walk into the presence of the Lord. Can I tell you today that when you came in to this church, the presence of the Lord wasn't here when you got here. We didn't walk into the presence of the Lord. We're not going to walk out of the presence of the Lord. The reason the presence of the Lord is here is because you're here. <laughs> because he filled our heart. He lives inside of me. And so you can't shut the Lord off like you're going to turn the lights off because he is inside of us. That's why the Bible says when, when the Lord spoke, he said, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. I am, I am with you even always, even to the end. I am there. Why? Because he is in us. What a glorious promise that we have the power of God living in us. I'm going to ask our musicians to come very quickly here. And I'm going to tell you today that the power and the presence of the Lord is something that we have in our heart. It's something that we have in our life. And I will tell you that while we have this infilling of the Holy Ghost and we're not in the same position as Moses, I believe that we ought to have the mindset of Moses that says, Lord, we, if you're not going to go with us, unless you go with us, we can't do this on our own. Amen. I'm going to tell you today, I wasn't alone praying a prayer similar to this this morning, but I prayed this morning and said, Lord, I can't do this without you. I'm not even willing to try to do this without you. I don't believe I was alone in that prayer. I believe we had singers and musicians and leaders that were saying this morning in their own way, in their own special time, Lord, I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. Amen. We've got, uh, we've got a daughter work pastor and his wife and their family that's going to have service at 3 o'clock in Madison today. I don't think they're going to try to go over there in their own power with their own finesse and their own strength and say we got this and we don't need you. But I believe they're going to say Lord unless you go with us unless you go with us this will be an exercise in futility unless you go with us. We've got to have you. We've got to have your power. Amen. Let's stand. Sometimes we may take it for granted. Now, I'm afraid that we all do from time to time, and I'll, I'll certainly include myself in that list. I think we take for granted the real friendship that we have with the Lord. I'm overwhelmed by His presence at times. and I was sharing with my wife, actually had talked about it years ago, and when it happened and. and many times since then but we haven't talked about it in a long time but something happened a few days ago that took me back down memory lane and and I remember the Lord just making something available to us now there was a price to be paid to be sure but God was making something available to us and I was overwhelmed by the goodness of God I want to be real clear. I want to be real clear. While God did make something available, He didn't just hand it to us. Is that okay? I want you to understand that. But just that God had even brought this opportunity our way was overwhelming. And I remember I was outside and I was walking around and, and I was praying. I wasn't playing. I was praying. 
I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what to think. And I, I remember, and I know it, it sounds so shallow when, I, when you repeat it, but you, you just had to be there, maybe. But I remember stopping at one place, and I'm going to tell you that I could, I could go put an X on the ground, I think, where I was standing, very, very close. When I just stopped, and I just got overwhelmed, and I just started weeping, and and I was praying, I was praying a prayer of thanksgiving, but I was praying and I just said to the Lord, why? Why would you, why would you do this? And the Lord impressed in my heart as strongly as he ever has at any other time and said, why not? Why, why not? Why not? I love you. I'm going to help you. Why not? I'm going to tell you, I'd never had an experience like that before. I, mean, I, I, I had always envisioned God to be that towering powerhouse. And He is. But I met Him that day as a friend who said, Well, why not? Why not? John 15 and 15, henceforth. I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard of my Father have I made known unto you. <laughs> You're not going to live in a secret world where everything is codes and secret handshakes. No, no, no. He said, if you are a servant, the servant don't know what the Lord's doing. They're just there. But he said, I've called you friends because what I hear, I'm going to share that with you. I'm going to give it to you. Amen. Unless you go with us, Lord, we can't do this by ourselves. I'm thankful for the history that we have behind us. But I'm going to tell you, unless the Lord go with us into our future, we can't go there. But he promised he would go with us. Amen. Let's worship the Lord today. Let's love him. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is all I need. Thank you, Lord. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need.
our service and thank you for being here today again amen our young people and those that are planning to serve us are waiting on us in the annex so we're going to pray and we're going to bless the food and then we're going to absolutely thank you and as we pray here this evening uh, today this morning we want to remember that there were some young people uh, that were involved in an accident in Mayo. We prayed for them and their families Friday night, but we certainly want to pray for them today. Uh, one, of the, one of the young people were killed instantly and others are in critical condition. So let's pray and ask God to touch them. Uh, students are going back to school from that school tomorrow. And so the reality of that loss and the reality of that tragedy is going to be certainly underlined. And so let's pray for these families today as we dismiss. And we're going to pray for our food. We're going to ask our singers and musicians just to stay here for a moment. And we're going to continue to sing the song after we pray. And while we're singing, we're going to ask you to just go ahead and exit the building and uh, go right on back to the annex, if you will, since they are waiting on us. Lord, we love you today. And I'm asking you now, God, to touch the families that are involved in this accident. God, uh, mom and dad and aunts and uncles and grandparents, Lord, that have suffered an immeasurable loss in the loss of a young person. I pray today, God, that you would touch them and touch the other young people that were involved in the accident, God, that you would keep your hand on them. Please, Lord, let your divine grace and strength just be there today, a constant friend and companion. God, I pray that you would touch them today and that you would give the right words, comfort and peace, God, to the hearts of hurting people today. I pray for our young people. Lord, I pray for the fellowship that we're about to receive and enjoy and the food. I pray, God, that you would touch them and bless them. I pray today, God, that you would help us in this fundraiser to, to bless our young people and their efforts in Jesus' name. I also want to tell you that you can give you, that we'll be able to give in the line. This is for donations only. And uh, the reason we do that is because we don't want anybody. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.